In our current climate, it may seem frightening to imagine an environment where you'd be willing to pay money to stand elbow to elbow with strangers in a crowded environment for fun. But if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, then you know the arcade was a magical place. Arcades almost died, but with a glimmer of nostalgia and an appreciation for IRL social gaming, arcade bars, retrocades, and entertainment centers have been experiencing a rebirth. However, with most still shut down due to state restrictions, sometimes it takes losing everything to truly appreciate how good it was. In this episode of the show, we're looking at the best-selling arcade games of all time. Insert coin. This is Wayback Attack. Welcome to Wayback Attack. My name is Brian Grantham, and sitting across from me in cyberspace, as always, uh, I guess as always recently, is Preston Burke. <laughs> Preston, how are you doing? Dude, I'm, a, I'm ex- excited. I'm a little stressed. We got this Twitch thing going on for the first time ever. Um, but, you know, other than that, it's pretty much how it's been for the past few weeks here in isolation in each of our houses. So it's good to connect every week with you. And uh, I'm excited that we actually have some folks following along live tonight on Twitch. You know, I cannot believe it. This is the first episode where I forgot to come up with a great pun. So uh, I'm I'm glad you did. Do you know how (laughs) much that stresses me out every time? Because I I have no idea what he's going to say. And every time I have to come up with a quip afterwards. But um so just to be asked, how's it going? I almost wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to say something like, you know, do you got Pac-Man fever or something? But, you know, I don't, there was one time, I don't, I don't remember which episode it was, but I, I said something that I had said before. And so we, were, we oh. had to redo it because of that. But, you know, hey, th- this is this, that makes this episode special because this will be the only one where there's no, there's no clever <laughs> yeah. intro. So you're going to be prepped for it next time. Yep. I got I got to start being like uh like the guy in Memento and start tattooing them all over my body so that way I can be like <laughs> all right I'm ready. Oh that's great. Uh so speaking of Memento, you've been watching any cool movies lately? How you been spending your time in isolation? So recently um I have gotten a bunch of uh a bunch of cables and everything I'm going to wire my house tomorrow uh with Cat 6 and that way um, I'm going to give every room three, um, three data ports and, uh, and then I, I'll have some stuff left over so that when I finish the basement, um, we'll be able to wire the basement as well. So, uh, I have been getting ready to do that. Um, but recently, for a while, <laughs> yeah, well, I just ordered that stuff last week. I was going to do it on okay. Sunday, but I was too tired after work, and so I figured. Well, uh, Sunday I started watching the um, the new. Or no, I guess it's not new anymore. The the Wu Tang show, and I've been all about that recently. And so, um, but yeah, that and I recently got the Final Fantasy VII remake, and so um, I'm going to start playing that after I get done wiring the house tomorrow. So, that's what cool. about you? Yeah, you you told me about the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, show yesterday mm-hmm. and I'm excited for it but then seeing that it's 11 episodes I don't know if I'm ready to get into something like that that seems like a commitment it flies is it by. an hour long yes uh-huh. okay that's very good Which, I, 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 and I told you uh, when I saw you that um, I was reminded recently of the Wu-Tang Clan because someone shared on Reddit that clip from the Chappelle show where they have the racial draft mm-hmm. where the different races claim 
different minority people. <laughs> and it was really funny that the Asians claimed Wu-Tang Clan for their own. It was great. Um, but no, what I really want to watch is The Last Dance, the oh, Bulls yeah. documentary. Mm-hmm. But I don't have ESPN, so i got to wait till it comes out. I think it's coming out on a different streaming service like Hulu or Amazon or something um, in July. So I'll wait until that. But I'm, I'm going to guess it. Disney+. Plus. I don't know. Maybe say on ESPN. It only makes sense. It does make sense. So, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we are live on Twitch right now. And I figured since we are on Twitch, which is a gaming platform um, for live streaming games, better to have a gaming-themed episode for the show. This is actually Brian's idea, but I'm glad we had it because I've been wanting to talk about games for a while. But uh, if you listened to us previously, then you know that we both come off of a, another podcast um, that I co-founded with my friend Patrick called Game Room Junkies Podcast. We went for like eight years, 75 episodes. It was a mostly monthly show um, talking about arcade and pinball machines and then divulged into different gamings. And we brought Brian on um, in the later episodes to talk about console corner and stuff. So um, I kind of I, I love gaming. We, I talk about it a lot collected it for a long time but kind of wanted to have a little bit of a separation between those podcasts so that we can kind of establish ourselves as a you know just a fun retro nostalgia show that's not just about gaming although um, we'll probably talk about it from time to time but i thought twitch first episode good topic yeah what was the inspiration for this brian well, you know, it, it basically goes along with that. So uh, we had talked about, since we are going to also do the, the show streaming on Twitch, you know, come up with some gaming thing. And I figured, well, uh, it, it'll work well um, to do a game because we like to try to do games on uh, on episodes. And so since it's a gaming episode, the entire episode really is going to be a game. And the... Um, We'll we'll get some classic uh, retro games uh, on on tonight's episode as well, and so it just kind of marries everything together. And uh, you know, I, you know, a lot a lot like how you were talking about, you know, you had that other podcast where it was about you know pinballs and arcades and that kind of stuff. And you know, I figured it's it's a nice time to like this is our twentieth actual episode, like not counting the in betweens, and so it's a nice round number. So. That's I can't believe we've been 20 episodes already. <laughs> it took like four years to get to 20 episodes on the other <laughs> podcast. That's great. Funny. Um, yeah, so you said this whole episode is going to be a game? Like, what's the game? Yep. So um, I gave you the um, uh, essentially a list of games. And so what we are going to do is uh, come up with um, – we're going to list out the games – uh, so I, the reason I gave them to you ahead of time was so that you can think about it. And I want you to basically see if you can figure out the top 10 best-selling arcade games in order from worst to best. Okay. And so the games that we have are Outrun, Asteroids, Street Fighter 2, Galaxian, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Centipede, Donkey Kong, Defender, and Space Invaders. So... Think about those games, which ones um, we have some, you know, they're all legendary, right? And so, um, but there's, uh, there are some of them pretty big stretch of time and difference for, uh, 
that comes into play for for some of it. You know, some games came out in the seventies. Some of them came out in Street Fighter Two in the nineties. Ninety, yeah. So yeah, uh, ninety one maybe. But uh, okay, so, so we'll t- go we'll it. talk about them and then hit it back up at the end to see if I can get them in order. Um, I actually know a couple of these production runs um, just from my own knowledge, but and then I stumbled upon one through the research for today. But hey, it's still going to be a crapshoot. And if I'm lucky, I'll do the about half or just over half correct. So we'll see. Um, but who knows? Hey, if you got that video clip queued up, let's play that cool video addiction clip. Well, they come as if from outer space in a variety of weird guises. Defender, Pac-Man, asteroids. To fans, they represent a challenge. But to critics, as Terry Drinkwater reports, they are a menace. Come on in. It's almost another world here in the video arcades of America. A billion games are played every month, a quarter each for escape, which can last a long time if you're skilled. Pitch yourself against the computer. Millions, mostly teenagers, have. So many, in fact, that psychologists are beginning to worry that some youths are becoming spaced out on the space games. You can't get hooked on it. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> it keeps on making you play the game. Once you start to play it for a while, you keep, you keep on playing it. Any normal person would want to beat the machine. <laughs> and you come back? Oh, sure. Again? Oh, sure. <laughs> Again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Many cities have reacted by making the arcades off-limits to all under 17 from 8 to 3. This is the after-school rush in Oakland. Long hours at the screens, psychologists say, can lead to extreme introversion. Youngsters communicating in a video fantasy land and not with their peers or parents. It's not addictive in the sense of a drug dependency where you're going to have withdrawal symptoms. But it is physically, you can become physically dependent upon it because you get an arousal and then a relaxation response. It's the same as a roller coaster. All right, so that guy there at the end talking about your, your the parts of your addiction, uh, he reminds me of uh, the guy from Ghostbusters um, that works for the uh, the EPA. Yeah, EPA. <laughs> yeah, I, he's got that vibe. He's got that vibe. Yeah, it's so funny. Every generation, there's something that is the plague of the youth. That's this addictive thing. And it's going to rot your brains, or it's going to cause violence and now you just look back at it. It seems so quaint. Yeah. People worrying about Pac-Man ruining you forever. Well, you know, it, it's it, it's funny because a lot of that stuff has to do with things that, um, I guess, for the past, like, let's say, almost around 100 years, it's been some f- form of gaming, right? Because, you know, like early pinballs and, and I guess even before that, you had, like, card games and that kind of stuff that people – it was always something that – you know, idle hands do the devil's work type of deal. And so using your idle hands to play games is is a negative thing. So, (laughs) well, you and I have the lucky distinction of being able to have to, to remember playing some of these earliest games. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like we mentioned, some of these games came out in the seventies, early eighties, we would have barely been, uh, been born in the early eighties. So didn't get to experience them at their height. But a lot of us have, uh, I mean, we have have had a lot of experience on them, though. 
Um, what was your very first memory of an arcade game? Hmm. My very first memory of an arcade game, I think, you know, I, it probably has to do with um, Donkey Kong. And that's probably why I have such an affinity for that. Either that or Pac-Man, because I was super into Pac-Man. Um, but, like, to this day, like, just the, the sounds of Donkey Kong, like, trigger something that just, like, is, like, soothing to me. <laughs> like, to hear, like, the, the, the whole, like, do, 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 do. And, um, like, the boom, boom, boom. I don't know, something about that. But Pac-Man, I know when I was a kid, I had Pac-Man sheets and bedspread and posters and everything. So um, I'm, I'm really a fan of, like, the art, like, the drawn-out Pac-Man, not necessarily the in-game Pac-Man, but uh, something about that. What about you? Uh, for me, it was... So it's it's funny. My earliest memory of playing an arcade game was playing Galaga mm-hmm. in this... Um, hot dog shop called scooters in lake bluff illinois it was in the town adjacent to where we lived so that was probably when i was about five Mm -hmm. but it's funny enough like but my galaga was actually um not my first game my mom has a picture of me playing um leprechaun do you know the game leprechaun nope so Leprechaun is a game that was a Moppet game, which was a miniature kid-sized arcade cabinet. Mm -hmm. And I played this because when I was a kid, I was really sick with some mystery illness. And my dad was uh, doing his postdoctoral work at Stanford. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was admitted to the hospital out there in Palo Alto um, in California. And they actually had moppet arcade games for kids to play um in the hospital so there's a picture of me playing a leprechaun moppet arcade game i don't remember that at all of course but it's cool to have the picture like my yeah. first arcade experience on film what what kind of game is um leprechaun is it a um like a maze game i don't remember um, uh, honestly the um when you were telling that story uh, and you said it was at a hot dog and the way you paused, I thought you were gonna say in a hot dog costume. <laughs> I don't know why. But just picture you sitting there playing a game while dressed up as a hot dog. <laughs> I mean, that seems like an appropriate wardrobe for playing arcade games, but yeah. I mean to each their own. <laughs> well All right, so go I ahead. was gonna I was gonna say, um what I what I wanted to do is uh take you know, uh, hopefully everybody's been thinking about uh, the list of games, and, and I'll read it off to you again. And then I'm going to ask you what you think your number one, number ten game is. Okay, so for the list okay. of games, we have Outrun, Asteroids, Street Fighter Two, Galaxian, Pac Man, Miss Pac Man, Centipede, Donkey Kong, Defender, and Space Invaders. So Preston, what do you think the number ten game is? Okay, so I'm basing it off of. The fact that I know that the golden age of arcades, when they sold the most, it was like bananas out there, mm-hmm. was in the early 80s. Okay. So knowing that, our two games that come the latest in time are Street Fighter 2 mm-hmm. and OutRun. Okay. Now, Street Fighter 2 was a total like rebirth, reinvention of the games, uh, arcades. Mm-hmm. And OutRun, while it's good, it came out in 86, which was not a huge time for arcade gaming. So I'm actually going to go number 10, OutRun. 
All right. Well, number 10 is OutRun. So, um, yes. There are some really cool things about OutRun. Uh, they, it, it really brought forth um, some new technology uh, in racing games, uh, which you kind of see it a little bit with um, pole position, but the way that they draw on the, um, like the incoming sides of the, of the track and stuff like that. I don't remember what it's called, but I know that that was uh, done in a special way. And so, um, so outrun uh, was really popular. I think for part of that reason. And the fact that you can change the radio station in it was something new also. Yes. Yeah. I love this game as a kid. I, you know, of course had played pole position and pole position two, mm-hmm. and those were cool. Um, it just being able to drive a steering wheel um, and control a gas pedal was really cool. Um, but this one, it doesn't look so now, but the, the graphics on it were actually really, really cool for 1986. Mm-hmm. And then it just seems, seems such more like faster and hipper than pole position did. And then, like you mentioned, the, the music was fantastic and it was a, a Ferrari, right? Yes. Yep. Was it a, okay. So, and it actually had the Ferrari logo on the steering wheel, which is a common uh, thing to be missing on an arcade game because kids actually stole them off of there. But um, the uh, not only could you control the steering wheel, but it had the shifter on it. It had the um, and it had force feedback on the steering wheel. So when you like went off into the side, it would shake and uh, let you know that you had gone off the smooth road. So that was really cool. Um, and it had a cool cabinet shape. It was very bright, colorful. It had a cool dashboard. Yeah, it was a great game all around. Yeah, um, I did very poorly in that, but I still came in 19th place, son. Um, <laughs> but the uh, uh, I one of the things I thought was cool, and you, you cut, you could kind of see it there um, at the end, was uh, they did a um, you had branching paths, and so depending on what um, what path you took, like your the the track looked different, right? So like you, there were some that you went through cities, and then some like you went through. Uh, the outside of the city and into these like rocky columns and that kind of thing. And I always thought that was really neat being able to choose which way you wanted to go. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it makes sense that the outrun made it uh, into the top 10 list just because um, at the time it was a pretty big breath of fresh air for racing games. And it kind of changed the way that, you know, companies started making racing games and, and that kind of thing. So plus, let me see. Well, I, and I love that it has a legacy that. into the present, yeah. Which is that the because you could change the radio station and because of the digital nature of it, mm-hmm. it is a subgenre of synthwave. So you yes. can go search outrun synthwave, and um, not only can you actually still buy the soundtrack, which I thought was interesting. Like Sega actually still produces the soundtrack. You can go to Amazon right now and buy the outrun arcade game soundtrack and mm-hmm. listen to these tunes but it's inspired that whole genre of music and you can go to YouTube and search outrun synthwave and find like this whole plethora of brand new music that was inspired by this game. Yeah. And the, um, I, I wrecked a couple times there just because I wanted to show off the cool, like flipping car animation and the people flying out of it. I always liked that when I was a kid, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I, I thought you were just going to be playing videos of gameplay. You're actually playing these games. Yeah, boy. Okay. Th- that's how we so, do. So, Mad respect to Brian. Um, if you're just listening, you can't experience this. Brian is 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 not only 
talking on the podcast. He's also operating our screens, operating our videos, and now playing games while we're talking on the podcast. So <laughs> you're you're a wizard over there. You're a wizard, Brian. You're a wizard, Harry. I, um, well, um, the uh, there it goes. I was having issues closing it so I can get the next one ready. So, um, but yeah, uh, I also have here, I wanted to tell you about it. Outrun, they sold 30,000 cabinets. Uh, so the revenue by 1993, they had done $393 million. And so if you adjust that for inflation, that's 665.85. So we'll run it up $666 million uh, in cabinets for Outrun. So, um, just to give you an idea of the kind of numbers that we're dealing with here. So, Dang. Uh, we do have a little bit of a controversy in the chat. Um, the Roarbots said that Rad Racer was way better, which, I don't know. The I guess on the Nintendo, it yeah. was. But, you know, since Rad Racer wasn't an arcade game, I mean, they had Radmobile, but they didn't have Rad Racer. So I don't know if it's, it's a one-to-one -one comparison because we're doing arcade games. And for the record, arcade games had much better processing power mm -hmm. than their console system power counterparts. So I'm just going to have to say we agree to disagree on this one. I, I will say Rad Racer was awesome because you could hit select and then it would put it into 3D mode. Because when you bought the game new, it came with 3D glasses. And so, oh, but, yeah. Um, so that was always really cool, also. So, and it had some interactivity with the power glove. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, hey, a little bonus. All right. It didn't work so, quite like you wanted it to, but it was still something. Nothing ever did with the power glove. So, all right. <laughs> so number ten was uh, was outrun. Preston, what do you think number nine is? All right, number nine, based on my previous theory, based on time frame, mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna have to go with Street Fighter Two. Um, I don't Fighter wait. II. Don't run. I'm going to go with Street Fighter 2 just because it came out the latest and it's outside of the boom, but it sounds like I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. So, Oh, no. The, Wait, the let me give my second. Okay, go for it. Let me give my second choice. Go for it. Uh -huh. Second choice would be, um, oh, uh, Defender. Defender. No, it is a space shooter, but it is not Defender. Okay. It is Galaxian. So, um, okay. Galaxian winds up being the number ninth best-selling um, arcade game of all time. What are your thoughts on Galaxian? Wow. What What are your uh, thoughts on Galaxian? Let's see. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we were lagging there for a second. So, um, Galaxian, it's no Galaga. That's my mm -hmm. thoughts on that. It can't yeah. for Galaga. Um, so it has some of that similar style of gameplay to it, but it's just not not as fast, not as quick. Um, it was interesting in the fact that it was, I believe, the first RGB game mm -hmm. ever made. So yeah. uh, it was a true color game, whereas most games prior to that, and another one we'll talk on the list, um, we'll, we'll talk about both a true black and white game in Asteroids, but also a color overlay game in Space Invaders, where it was a black and white CRT but they had like a gel overlay on the actual tube. So it looked like it was in color in parts of it, but yep. this was the first one where it was actually programmed for color. So it, it had some technological innovations, which I appreciate for sure. Yeah. And you know, Galaxian is, is interesting just because like you would understandably 
uh, with the popularity of other games like Space Invaders and stuff, like space shooters like this were huge back then. So of course, like there were so many clones of of that same style. Um, <laughs> and but you know, with having uh, having the the space bugs flying at your ship and stuff like that, it just it brought a different level. Um, just because of you now have to dodge them shooting at you and flying at you and that changes like the path of the projectiles and that kind of thing um but you also see like how this paved the way for galaga which yeah like i I agree with you that galaga is a far superior game but yeah well so you know arcade collector nerd out here i do appreciate its cabinet um Mm -hmm. the actual cabinet because those early valley midway cabinets are great because a lot of them are um plywood so they're Mm -hmm sturdy but they're also a little bit lighter yes um it's got a it's got a cool um uh like curvature to it um Mm -hmm. on the the trim line and it's got a full side art that's really really awesome um of the like the the space bugs and stuff it looks really cool so it's green and blue and white mostly white Mm -hmm. um if you haven't seen the side art check that out so i appreciate it on that from an artistic level uh and from the you know, the cabinetry itself, but yeah, it's no Galaga. And I'm actually shocked in saying that now I'm looking at the list and Galaga isn't on here at all. It's not um, one of the top 10. I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. The, uh, let me see something. What kind of crap list are you sharing here, Brian? Hey, maybe just cause Galaga wasn't out long enough for it to, to hit the list. So, uh, I will say Galaxian, um, the, uh, Galaxian, is number nine they sold 40,000 cabinets for that game so um is a pretty big title unfortunately for some reason i didn't have or i guess the article that i pulled this from uh was from um goliath.com yes goliath.com and so they did not have sales numbers for that game all the other ones have it so but you know it did 10,000 more copies than uh than outrun did so hey that's a pretty good deal for me all right We are coming down uh, to number eight. What do you think your number eight? Uh, and just while you're thinking about it, uh, so we've knocked off Galaxian, knocked off um, Outrun. So number eight, what do you think it's going to be? I'm going to have to go with. Uh, I'm going to. I'm sticking with Street Fighter Two. Street Fighter Two. Okay, uh, that is um, an interesting choice. Uh, because, like you said, Street Fighter Two revolutionized gaming in the arcades. So, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, <laughs> you're incorrect again. So, uh-huh. what, we, what we've got is the Exterminator of Centipede. You were you were talking about wow. uh, Centipede. Yeah, you were talking about the. Um, how Dude, I... y- you like the cabinets for Galaxian because they're plywood. And unlike Atari ones that are made out of uh, super uh, super heavy wood, it's the heaviest material that Atari could find that they wanted to make their cabinets out of. So they are by far the worst uh, arcade um, arcade machines to move around. Oh, and they're super tall. Yeah, they're they're a pain in the butt. But the game itself is a good game. Uh, most importantly, it's a trackball game. Yeah. So the gameplay style itself was unique for the time. Um, and still continues to be like something that draws people to it. I actually have a centipede game in my arcade. Um, it is a cabaret miniature version, mm-hmm. and 
uh, it's currently not working, but it, you know, whenever it is working and people come over to the house, that's one they always remember. And that's one that draws kids and adults because it's so easy to learn, hard to master, and it's got the cool trackball. So um, it's pretty cool. There, there's also nothing quite as satisfying. Oh, that spider got me. Um, there's also nothing quite as satisfying as, let me see if I can do it. The spider wants to, to do me in, so it's making it difficult. But when you get them to start coming down like in a straight little row and you're just like popping them off like one at a time like that, that's my favorite part of that game. Oh, yeah, it's good. Um, so interestingly enough, this game is one of the few rarities that was actually um, designed by a female. So this is designed by Caroline Bailey and Ed Log. And um, Caroline Bailey, she only designed this game. Then she worked, went to work for Cinti Technologies. So she did some stuff for Cinti and did some contract work for Activision. But mm-hmm. this was really her only game of note. And then she went off to work in education and did that for the remainder of her career. She's retired now um, and has gotten some you know recognition here lately. But her name wasn't one of the most common for the longest time. And she's shopping around a um, script to try to get made for like a, the tale of either her life or just the time of being a designer back in the early 80s. She, mm-hmm. It's called Sunnyvale. You can find her on Twitter. Um, search up Donna Bailey. Um, she's she's pretty cool. She's pretty active on Twitter. Um, and I, she'll interact with you and stuff. It's pretty fun. I thought you were going to say that she was writing a script for a centipede movie. <laughs> I was going to be like, that would be insane. <laughs> like, I know that they've they've you know did Rampage recently and you know try to come out with other video game movies, but I think Centipede was featured in um, Pixels, wasn't it? Probably. I never I never saw Pixels. I know. I know. Oh, was... Brian. Hey, I'm just not a fan of Adam Sandler. I did. I uh, like little Nicky. That was good. All right. So, do you have any loving memories of Centipede? Uh, no, you know, like I said, it was just one of the few trackball games. I mm-hmm. there, there was um, Rampart, which was a trackball game. Yes, um, Missile Command was a trackball game. But like this one, if you if you had to name one, mm-hmm. this was probably it. Yeah. So. What about Millipede? Do you like Millipede better than Centipede? No, not a huge fan of the Millipede. The um, I will say uh, so for Centipede, they sold fifty five thousand nine hundred eighty eight cabinets of that game. The revenue by nineteen ninety one was one hundred fifteen point six five million dollars. So adjusting for inflation, it's two hundred seven point eight five million dollars for uh for Centipede cabinets. My word, uh, I, th- I think it's like some of these dates on these is crazy because um where they like, I guess only sold them for like a couple years or whatever compared mm-hmm. to the, uh, uh, like that one for like 91. So, all right. Yeah. I'm surprised because th- th- this is a game where in arcade collecting circles, like centipede has been converted into so many different other games that centipede right. cabinets just seem like there's way more of them than there are galaxians or, mm-hmm. you know, well, uh, even, even defenders. It feels like there's more, centipedes and defenders out there but more, i guess we're love. wrong more love for centipede uh, Maybe. all right so what do you think the next game is going to be there preston i'm so wrong i dude i don't even <laughs> got, know anymore you got outrun right so so far we've had number 10 was outrun number nine galaxian number eight centipede number seven what are you feeling 
number seven, I'm going to go with... Don't say Street Fighter. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going to go with Ms. Pac-Man. Ms. Pac-Man. Well, uh, it turns out that it's actually Defender. I just didn't want to say that one again. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to say it again and yeah. be wrong. This is my least favorite game. <laughs> uh, not of all time, but at least on your list. Yeah, like, so... I like Defender a lot um, when I played it on, like, I think I had it for the 7800. I may have had it for the 2600, but I think it was, I think it was a 7800. And I really like the control scheme for that compared to how difficult it is to play this game. Um, yeah. I will definitely say, even though I don't enjoy this game, it's not fun for me. Mm-hmm. If you are good at this game, you are a very skilled player because it takes a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of dexterity to be really good at this game. There's there's several different controls. You're going in multiple directions. Things are coming at you from all ways. Um, uh-huh. It's very fast, and I just was never good at it, which probably means, you know, it's probably an explanation as to why I don't like it. Now, I, I did always like the effects of it. I always thought the laser was super cool, um, but I felt like I, I get... The like wanting to differentiate your uh, arcade cabinet from other companies' cabinets, um, but like having the joystick just do up and down, and then like a button for thrust and a button for turn around and stuff like that, just like it's unnecessary. It could have this this just throw a four way stick on this on this cabinet, and then you know a smart bomb button and a fire button. That's all you need. All right. Let's yeah, see but then ca- it kind of oh. makes it. Uh, it kind of makes it plain Jane if it does that, right? Like, it's the difficulty that makes it appealing to some people. Yeah, I will I say this this game. I don't know if it is in fact the first game with a mini map, but I'm going to say it is. Um, and that is, I think that's such a cool um, a cool thing. Uh, you know, you have to have that map to be able to see where um, where the other ships are and like where they're grabbing people. Uh, I always liked how it looped around on itself too. It made it made it feel like you're like flying around the entire planet. So, but um, yeah, yeah I think I think that's super important. Shout out game. to our buddy Joel in the chat. He also agrees with me that Defender is hard as hell. I'm glad I'm not the only person. Um, I do appreciate this arcade cabinet though. It's also plywood, um, and made by Williams. Uh, it's a little shorter than a lot of cabinets, so it's nice and compact. I like toting it around. It was converted to a lot of different things. Um, I, you, you come across Final Fight that was been converted in this cabinet. A lot of different things. This is a Eugene Jarvis game, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, oh, let me see if I can get it. Nope. Thought I was gonna catch that. Again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think uh, I understand why it did so well. You know, it was very different from anything that was out at the time. It was very fast compared to other games that were out at the time. Uh, so you know, seeing something new. Uh, something that I think helps uh, helps to make it stand out from from the rest of the arcade crowd. So, yeah, right. uh, a lot of the sounds you'll hear have been reused in different things throughout the years. You can't quite place it, and then you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's Defender." I also liked how the uh, the landscape kind of reminded me a little bit of about a, a vector style mm-hmm. of game mm-hmm. um, with being new. So, it again, even though I don't like it, I think it does deserve its place in history as one of the top 10 selling games of all time. Yeah. All right. So, um, Defender. Cabinet <laughs> sold 60,000, right? 
Uh-huh. Check this out. Revenue by 1993. I don't know why it goes up to 1993 when Centipede was only 91. But 1993, $1 billion in sales. And so Whoa. adjusted for inflation, $1.69 billion in sales with a B. So Defender, pretty hot title. Um, yes. Wait, what was the number on that one? Because I... Defender, 60000 60000 60000 Okay. A billion dollars yeah. in sales. All right, so we've had a um, we've had a pretty good mix of games so far. Outrun, Galaxian, Centipede, Defender, still a space shooter like Galaxian, but different different perspective. Uh, so number six, Preston, what do you think the number six game <laughs> is going to be? I really wish we had gone in reverse and like in real like number one order <laughs> because way. I feel like I could have done I could have done better if we'd have gone that way because I think I know what the top ones are on that one. I think. Asteroids is uh is tops and then Space Invaders after that. Mm-hmm. Um and then Pac-Man and then Donkey Kong. But jeez, I feel like if I say Street Fighter 2 here I'm going to be wrong again. But... Yeah, don't say it. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to say. It. How about you? Here's this. Give me a choice of 3. Help me out okay. here, Brian. I've been wrong. Give me 3 options and I'll, I'll okay. pick. Okay. Uh before I do that, uh someone asked does that include all console ports and re-releases? No, it's just for arcade cabinet sales. Uh, so, uh, all right, here's the three I'm going to give you. Um, I'll say, we'll say Street Fighter Two. <laughs> okay, uh, that's right. a give me though. You just told me it wasn't that one. All right, all right. Miss Pac-Man, Go ahead. Miss Pac-Man, uh-huh. and Asteroids. Well, I'm gonna have to go Miss Pac-Man then. Miss Pac-Man. Well, the answer is asteroids. Oh. <laughs> oh, I suck. Um, uh, so no. back-to-back space shooters, um, but this time you're not saving people. And uh, I guess you do blow up some spaceships in this in this game, but uh, the asteroids. I, I don't know, I, dude. I think the article you got is wrong. Like, asteroids was in 1979. Mm-hmm. It was the precursor to this game. The most popular game was Pong, right? And Pong's not even on your list. Um, but so this was like amazing. Like when this came out, people mm-hmm. were losing their minds at how cool this was. Yeah. And it's a, a, a top ten game of all time. Um, obviously here by sales too, but I I just don't think it's coming. What number is this? Six. Yes, number six. Oh, that's the, lame, man. The um, what is your strategy for playing Asteroids? To just die a lot. That's my yeah. strategy because I am not good at it. Um, I do agree that it's probably best to stay in the middle as as uh, you know as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I think you know, like you you just drifted out. I think to try to get back in the middle is probably good. Um, I avoid the hyperspace jump at all times because mm-hmm. that just it'll it'll throw me right into where I don't want to be. Um, but hey, so th- something to note here for people who may not be quite as well-versed in arcade collecting, is that this is the first game of our list, and looks like our only game on this list that's a vector game. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard to describe if you don't know the difference already, but compared to an RGB, just CRT, cathode ray tube television, compared to a vector CRT, um, just the straight lines driven by mathematical formulas... Um, it's very bright. The phosphor glows really, really bright. Like seeing these 
um, in actual arcade cabinets, it's very identifiable when you see them as compared to other mm-hmm. types of gameplay. Like if you play this right now, like an emulation, or if you just played the you know the arc the console version, it didn't have quite as a visual appeal as it did in the actual arcade cabinet, which is why it's so appealing today for collectors because you can't replicate that feel uh, in emulation. So as these games are dying out or get converted or get trashed, these monitors are getting harder and harder to find. Um, and yeah. this is one of the few that has it. I was going to say, you know, people talk a lot about like, oh man, like trying to find a CRT for this game or the, you know, this, or, you know, it's so hard to do that, but like, yeah, going with a, a vector monitor is like next to impossible. I think, uh, it would be interesting to see with um, HDR uh, like nowadays. I bet you mm-hmm. that you could fake the the like how bright and how how like how bold the colors are for a vector monitor. I bet you you could make that same type of a uh, type of look with a HDR monitor. Um, Here's but, the thing, though. Yeah, I'd know. Uh-huh. I'd know in my heart, <laughs> and it wouldn't be right. <laughs> The, so uh, other in case in case you're listening and you don't know what I'm what, what I'm talking about, other games that utilize this vector technology, um, Tempest was one. Mm-hmm. Sundance is a real obscure game. Um, what were some other vector games? Black uh, Widow, mm-hmm. Ravitar, Commander. Um, was it Commander Keen? No, not Commander Keen. What is it? What? There's my favorite. My favorite vector game is Captain Something or Commander Something. You know what I'm talking about. Wow, it's really your favorite. It huh? is my fa- it's my favorite vector game. So, uh, it, you know, there's just not that many of them, but uh, the um, I like that one because it's it's similar to like Tron, where it has like different game modes while you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like you land on a ship and then you have to like get the reactor core of the ship and then get out and jet back in and stuff like that. I wish I could remember. Oh, I forgot one of the, probably the most famous one of the most famous vector games of all time, Star Wars: The Original. Yes. Mm-hmm. They recently so, re-released that, or I guess released it um, in one of those arcade one-up games. So, Oh, yeah, and you could buy the – it actually had the yoke on it, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, a, I'm having... they put one where you can sit down too. No way. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. They just kind of added a bench to it or whatever. But Oh, we got some additions here in the chat. We got Red Major Red Havoc, Baron. that's it. Yep. Yep, Major Havoc. Major that Havoc. one's hard as heck too. I love uh, that Major game. Havoc is harder than Defender. I, oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Anyway, all right. So, give you a little bit of uh, a little a little bit of numbers here for you. Uh, so, Asteroids they sold one hundred thousand cabinets for this game. Uh, the revenue by nineteen ninety one must have been a cheaper game than Defender because they by ninety one they had made eight hundred million dollars off the cabinets. So, adjusting for inflation, it's one point four three billion dollars. Uh, for asteroids, so wow, you you can't charge a premium for a, a black and white game. That's what I gotta say. <laughs> well, you know, it's did they adjust for inflation? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, one point four three uh, billion for inflation. So, oh, is it, that all? Yeah, that's it. Hey, classic <laughs> game though. All right, so We're halfway mark. Halfway five. mark. All right, so let let me just read out the ones that we still have left, okay? Um, we have Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, uh, Space Invaders, and Street Fighter 3, okay? Street so, Fighter 2. Oh, yeah, Street Fighter 2. 
So which which arcade comes in Jeez, at number Louise. five, Preston? Okay, so before before I say my answer, which is going to be wrong, uh-huh. let me just say, I think the inclusion of Street Fighter Two, yes, <laughs> in this list is bogus because it was a kit game. Yeah, it wasn't sold in an actual dedicated arcade cabinet. It may have like a standard cabinet style that people put it in, like a Dynamo cabinet style, but it wasn't. Uh, a, a standard issue cabinet. So I don't know if it's it's not a good one-to-one comparison. Yeah. So I just don't see how Street Fighter 2 sold more than Pac-Man, sold more than Donkey Kong. But I'm going to go, in this instance, I'm going to say Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. All right, well, coming in at number five is Miss Pac-Man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Uh, so... Man, the Pac-Man games and, um, you know, coming with Miss Pac-Man and then later on Baby Pac-Man, you know, so much, so much um, drama and controversy about the Pac-Man series, especially, uh, you know, just, you know, ultimately just all comes down to because of how popular the Pac-Man series was. But man, tell me some of that drama about Miss Pac-Man, Preston. And actually, I'm going to. I'm going to let you tell me about it and then we'll cut to um cut to that video. Oh, okay. Um so Miss Pac-Man, I did a kind of a deep dive study of it um back when I first started writing. Shout out mm. to my friend and uh podcast fan George El Huapo. He's got his own um live stream um he's a streamer now, does his own YouTube channel and all that stuff. So ch- check him out if you can. But he gave me uh, my first paid writing gig for a site that's kind of now defunct called Arcade Sushi. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were looking for long-form essays. And I did a story about the crazy and profitable origins of Miss Pac-Man. And um, so Miss Pac-Man, interestingly enough, it wasn't – it didn't come about directly from Namco. It didn't come about directly from Bally Midway. Mm-hmm. It was an official release by them, but they didn't create it. It was created by um, guys who started their own company out of their dorm room at MIT. So um, this kid uh, at MIT, his name was uh, Doug McRae. And he had a little uh, arcade route. Um, he had some games that he put out in operation in the student union or around town and he saw that games needed to uh, have a longer lifespan than they did like as gameplay progressed over time the returns would decrease and Mm -hmm. so it was his idea to add on to existing board sets to expand and basically basically make a new game and his first one that he did that with was missile command he did super missile attack and what it was he was very conscious of copyright he didn't um, rip the source code um, and reissue that. What he did was he just made his own ROM that plugged into the existing board set mm-hmm. and added new phase, new stages and more difficulty and a lot of different options. And so he created the same thing. Um, he saw how profitable that was and um, saw the potential for that. And he did his own thing for Pac-Man, wherein he added a module that would add 
new levels, more difficulty, and some variety to the Pac-Man. And it was a game called Crazy Auto. So Miss Pac-Man actually wasn't Miss Pac-Man originally. It was a game called Crazy Auto. And you can see Brian um, playing some, some video of it there. It was a character that had legs, um, a lot different than Pac-Man because like, they were trying to consciously um, be different than Pac-Man. Um, and so they just happened to approach Valley Midway at just the right moment when they didn't have anything in the pipeline for a follow-up to Pac-Man. Mm -hmm. And so they worked out an agreement and where they licensed it and they got uh, profit sharing and, and everything. And so this was a, Miss Pac-Man was a game that started as a bootleg and became one of the most popular and top 10 selling games of all time. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's crazy that you have, um, <laughs> the way Crazy Auto looks, he looks awesome. And it's funny because he actually looks kind of like if you if you think of like uh, you know the drawn Pac-Man as like a as an actual person, not not just like the round circle that he is in the game, but like the actual like drawn out stuff. He looks just like that Pac-Man, you know, like the one that was on the side of the machine with like the two feet. Uh, so it's funny that um, they didn't actually like try to go after them and stuff because um, I guess Midway learned oh, wow, that's a good way to, like, make a riff on something. And so that's kind of like what they did when they came up with Baby Pac-Man uh, and then got in trouble from Namco for, for doing that. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. It was the Wild West out there back in those early 80s, man. Yeah. You know, there's so many different arcade um, arcade mods and that kind of thing where, uh, you know, they were, people were just, like, just ripping games uh, and then just hacking them and then putting in new chipsets and stuff like that in order to try to, like, make some extra money. Uh, trying to make the game harder and that kind of thing. So, all right, Miss Pac-Man, they sold 125,000 cabinets for that. Uh, so the revenue by 1987 uh, is 1.2 billion dollars. Uh, so adjusted for inflation, 2.58 billion dollars. So um, we're starting to get in some some pretty uh, some pretty heavy hitters here. All right. So uh, Miss Pac-Man is one of the ones that I don't know if we've come across it yet. Oh, yes, yeah, Centipede was that way, too. But um, people may only be familiar with one type of presentation of that arcade cabinet. But know mm -hmm. that when we're talking here, we're talking about all versions sold. And Miss Pac-Man you could have as a, you know, a traditional stand-up arcade unit. You could have a diminutive mini or a cabaret-style mm -hmm. unit. Um, and then you could also have a cocktail table. Um, which is, you know, a tabletop version of that game. And man, one of my, I, I, sh I have some games that I regret letting go. And one of them was my very first Miss Pac-Man cocktail table. And the reason I let it go is because, you know, it's one of these games that was one of the best selling. So there are plenty of examples out there. And I thought, you know, I'll come across it again. And I have, I've actually had several Miss Pac-Man cocktails over the course of my collecting career, but I've never had that very first Pac-Man cocktail, uh, Miss Pac-Man cocktail, wherein, it had its life spent in a Pizza Hut. And oh, when it wow. came to me, after you had that game on for about 10 minutes, it would <laughs> start to heat pizza? up. And you'd open that coin door and you would smell Pizza Hut. And it was one wow. of the best, like, nostalgic <laughs> smells in history. And I let it go. But Boy, 
I, it's probably good that you let it go because you would have probably wound up hating pizza if you played that game too much. <laughs> well, just, I don't like Pizza Hut anymore, so um, um, who knows? Maybe that's why. It's like when I used to work at Krispy Kreme, and um, I worked third shift when I first started working there. And one uh, one day, my mo- mom came and picked me up after uh, after my uh, shift, and we were going to go eat breakfast together. So we went to IHOP and I was like, oh man, I'm going to get all these pancakes and stuff like that. And as soon as they set them down in front of me, it just smelled like donuts and I couldn't eat them. I was just like, oh, this uh, sucks. I can't, I can't eat these pancakes. <laughs> Things are all too right. good. Yep. Yeah. Top four, Preston. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> just to remind everybody what we got, we have Street Fighter 2, Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, and Pac-Man. What do you think the number four game is? If if Pac-Man or Space Invaders isn't number one, uh-huh. then I don't know what's right with the world. <laughs> so <laughs> it has got to be. <laughs> it is. It has got to be Street Fighter Two now. All right, that's well, my answer. Street Fighter Two, number four is Donkey Kong. <laughs> This is crap. This is so wrong. I don't believe this at all. That's nuts. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the cool thing about Donkey Kong, and it's, it is kind of crazy that it's number four, because um, I think I think this game probably has had the most lasting, um, you know, has, Cultural def- relevance? Yes, yes. Out of any of these games on here. Because, you know, while Pac-Man, yes, is Pac-Man and is like a beast, you know, this game gave us Jumpman at first, but then later on, ugh, later on, uh, you know, Mario. So, uh, and these two characters, you know, are still being put into, uh, you know, modern games that are still coming out today. All three yeah, of these characters you know, on the screen. Donkey Kong Country Series was really big for me in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously... Not not only just the games themselves, but um, in pop culture in general with the King of Kong documentary mm-hmm. and that whole competitive gaming aspect, which is still in the news today. I mean, we won't go into it, but like <laughs> you, you could look you could do a search for Donkey Kong and uh, world records and there's all kinds of stuff going on even today with this game that came out in 1981 by Nintendo. Yeah, and, you know, I will. My favorite thing about Nintendo games, uh, or I guess Nintendo arcade games, is that their cabinets were so unique, and just like the yes. look of them, and the um, I love the way that the the the, the joystick on those games felt. Uh, so um, I will go to my grave. So this is this is getting into super arcade nerd territory, and I'm sorry if you're just a regular casual listener of the show and you don't like to go in the weeds with this stuff, but. I will go to my grave that the Nintendo cabinet is the best arcade cabinet ever made mm-hmm. because of several reasons. Number one, it's plywood. It's short. It's mm-hmm. not very heavy. It has handles on the back for you to tip it over. It has wheels on the back for you to be able to move it by yourself. And also because it's the way it's situated, it's flat front. It has a little ledge underneath it. You can even pull it out from the wall by yourself um, just by tipping it over in the front. Okay. Also... I like how similarly styled they are. So yes. when you have uh, Donkey Kong, a Donkey Kong Jr., a Popeye, you got all of these games that are Nintendo made. You have them all in the row. They look beautiful. They're just mm-hmm. solid colored with some a little bit of side art, and they are 
It's just the artwork package changed, not the cabinet structure. Because when you have perfection, you don't mess with it. Yeah. So I love those. And then an underrated feature of the Nintendo arcade cabinet. It has a flat top so that you can not only place a drink up there, but you can also have it in your arcade and have nice, bountiful decorations to have go in your arcade. And most other systems, uh, arcade cabinets don't have that at all. So yeah, yeah. My 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 favorite part is just the art on the on the glass on the front of it. So uh, uh, another little nerd feature that um, is a little bit of a detraction from it is that it's a Japanese design. So all of the components are designed in metric scale. So mm. your bolts and stuff are all metric. This uh, you know, this is um uh, Miyamoto's first game. And so, uh, you know, he's still just, at, he's a huge prominent figure at Nintendo, uh, today, you know, and he still has like a lot of input on the stuff that they make. And so it's crazy to think, you know, his whole thing with this particular game was, uh, the size of the characters was different from what you're used to seeing in arcades at the time, uh, because he wanted it to have more of a cartoony feel. And so, um, that's why the characters look the way they do and that kind of thing. So, you know, Hey, it made a huge, a huge impact. Um, they, they, they basically had made a game before this that was not popular at all. And so they just changed all those cabinets over to Donkey Kong. And yeah, and- I actually came across one of those in my, one of my very first raids, uh, my very first arcade warehouse buyout. Mm-hmm. I got to have not only donkey kong but i had a hellifier mm-hmm. and hellifier is the short-lived game that they use to convert donkey kongs to so if you ever see a donkey kong which is traditionally in a blue cabinet if you ever come across one that's in a red cabinet there's a small chance that that actually used to be and originally was made to be a hellifier arcade cabinet and then when that didn't sell well they converted it over to donkey kong yeah. all right Donkey Kong, huge Man. hitter. All right, it is. We have three games left. We have. Oh wait, hold on. I forgot to tell you how much it made. All right, so Donkey Kong, they sold one hundred and thirty-two thousand cabinets. Revenue by nineteen eighty-two. Right. So Donkey Kong came out. Oh 81. man. Yeah. Yeah. And Donkey Kong came out in eighty-one, and by eighty-two, they had already done two hundred and eighty million dollars. Uh, in sales for Donkey Kong, which adjusted for wow. inflation is seven hundred and ten point two million. So, uh, Donkey Kong, huge, huge impact in the arcade. Yeah, I feel like if you, I, I, they needed to have a better uh, comparison year, they so they had could the really, same date. Yeah, yeah. But if that's it, and only one year, I can imagine how if we're comparing it out to like ninety one, the lifetime yeah. of these things. Yeah, very, very a big earner, big earner. Okay. So we have three left. Yeah, right? three left. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna ride this wave until it crashes all the way to the ground. Which is, I'm gonna go Street Fighter Two. <laughs> all right. Well, Preston, you think Street Fighter Two made it to number three? It is number three. Finally! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't believe it. It made it this hard. This so far. this is this is the third game you've gotten right. Um, I, 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 so think, this, I think it was. This is officially the worst game that I've played. <laughs> All right, so Street Fighter Two. You are very good at Street Fighter Two with Chun Li. Um, I, I remember the first time you and I played this game together. I was shocked with how, how good you were with Chun Li. Um, but tell me a little bit about Street Fighter Two. So um, I don't know about history. I just go on um, 
uh, personal experience. Street Fighter 2 was a seminal game for me. Mm-hmm. It was um, a game that, as we know, totally revitalized the arcades, which had been dying. There was a huge crash in 1983, 84. Um, and then, you know, it had like, it was going and chugging along at this much, much, much lower level um, and was starting to die off. But then in, when this game came out, like, it was lighting a fire in the arcades. We had an arcade um, that was in the back of this corner store that you could ride our bikes to. And when this game came out, like, you were, you know, people, three, four people deep waiting to play this game so you could have your turn to, to beat butt on the, against the player next to you. Yeah. Um, this is the game for me that introduced me to the concept of putting a quarter uh-huh. on the ledge of the machine yeah. saying that I've got dibs, I've got next to save your spot because it was so popular. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, the title says it, it's part two, but there was actually a Street Fighter 1 that came out before this that most people don't remember because it was not nearly as good as this one. It was very bad. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, it's, this is a bad game, like, based off of, um, uh, like options for your like your fighter and stuff everything about it was so bad like the controller like just the inputs uh, there was so much lag in between inputs and trying to get your uh special moves off and stuff like that it was such a horrible game so it's crazy to think that like going from part one to this game uh how big of a difference it was and like you said like this game saved arcades like it was it was a huge huge deal and it changed it changed arcade gaming forever because once this game came out you started having a lot of people that started coming out with, uh, you know, knockoffs for it and uh, trying to to cash in a little bit on the uh, on the hype of of the Street Fighter or the street, the fighting game genre. So, right. Right. So I, I mentioned it earlier when I was griping and complaining about how this shouldn't be included in the list. But so this game is a, a kit game. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with that concept, a conversion kit is what um, is sent to operators when they want to take an existing cabinet. And they just need to swap out the inside. So they're keeping the, you know, the wooden structure. They're keeping the, um, the TV tube, but they want to change out the circuit board, the control panel artwork, the marquee artwork, and the side art. And it will just become a new game. And so that's probably one of the reasons why it ranked as high as it did because they're counting conversion game kits, which were a lot cheaper than a whole arcade unit to buy for operators. Um, and that also made it easy to swap out when those new additions that Brian was talking about came out. So this one, I mean, it went it went fast. Like, it was Street Fighter II Championship. Um, sorry, Street Fighter II The World Warrior. That mm-hmm. was the very first original one. And then they had Champion Edition. Then they had Hyper Fighting. Then they had, like, Rainbow Edition, which was like a bootleg. Mm-hmm. Then they had, like, Super Duper. I mean, it, it started going off the ledges. The off the rails with how many different editions they have. But so I don't know if they're including those in those counts um, or if they're just including the original world warrior, but regardless, it was a force. Yeah. I will say coming back to this version of street fighter two, uh, because I, like street fighter two, like hyper fighting or turbo edition was like the only edition that I, I really spent a lot of time with. And so playing how slow this game is, is driving me crazy. But um, I'll say the appeal of this game was multiple in that not only could you fight someone like, you know, you could fight the computer. Also, it was, it was head-to-head. Mm-hmm. So, like, me as a 12-year-old kid, uh, I could fight 
some guy in college and beat him and feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the king of the world. Um, you had that, but you also had the the different characters to choose from, which I, I don't forget the number. I can't tell you the number right off the top of my head, but you know it was, it was a decent number of character selections. Um, and then they had the you could progress through the levels to achieve difficulty, different diff- difficulty levels. Um, but it's just like uh, the the variety. It just oh, I know where I was going to go. The fact that you could be really, really, really good and precise and learn moves. Mm-hmm. Like each character had a different move set um, that you could like become proficient in was really cool. But also, if you're just starting out and you can just mash buttons and still have a really, really, really good time, you don't have to know what you're doing. You could still just be a button masher and stumble into some of those moves. Always discovering those was really exciting. Um, and this was kind of the first place where you could do that. So Street Fighter 2 deserves all the props it does. To give you the numbers for Street Fighter 2, Cabinet sold 200,000, okay? Now, I will say it's a little bit of a cheat because it was 60,000 for Street Fighter 2 and then 140,000 for Championship Edition, which Championship uh. Edition added in the four bosses uh, and so, and stuff like that. So, uh, revenue by 1995 was $2.31 billion and then adjusted Ooh. for inflation that makes it $3.71 billion. So. Wow. Changed everything, man. And, you know, I bet wow. the whole reason that it, they did the um, conversion kits like that was probably because uh, the first game just wasn't as popular and so they probably weren't, didn't want to sink the money into making cabinets for this game, uh, mm-hmm. just in case it wasn't popular too. So. Yeah. This is one that I have in my basement. And even though a lot of the Street Fighters are Championship Edition or, or other editions, I, I've kept it to be the World Warrior, the original one, because that's the one that impacted me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It, it really, really hooked me into the hobby. And I, even though I really enjoy um, refurbishing my games and having like brand new um, reproduction artwork on them so they look like they're factory fresh, this mm-hmm. one has cigarette burns and all, and I'm not changing a thing. It looks like it came out of hell. Um, just like the one that was in that back corner store. So I'm preserving that history with the one that's in my basement. And it is it is a top three game for me. Uh, maybe my favorite game, uh, as far as arcades go, of all time. Well, that, well that's perfect because it was a top three game here. So, uh, But that leans, there's only two left. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, do, do you know the number one game, just like based off of like arcade history? I think it's Space Invaders. Okay. Well, so then I guess that makes the um, number two pick here an easy one for you. So what do you think? Number two is Pac-Man is what Preston says. Uh, But unfortunately, it is Space Invaders. (laughs) And and I have what we're doing here is I'm playing part two, uh, Uh. which is technically um, Space Invaders Deluxe, um, which uh, was – you know, you were talking about earlier uh, how there were black and white games and they uh, just did an overlay to make it color. And so Space Invaders Deluxe was that st- that style of, of color game. So um, if you remembered this game being color, that's why. So so Space Invaders came out in what, 1978? Uh, I believe I so. Yeah, uh-huh. that yeah. sounds right. It came out um, and it was, uh, there was a couple of different cabinet editions. It's a Taito game, 
Mm-hmm. And um, it had a really cool cabinet. It was plywood as well, but it used a mirror yeah. to project it. So that the TV actually sat um, like horizontal to the ground facing up mm-hmm. and then a mirror projected it on. Um, it had a really cool like cardboard backdrop to add some, you know, texture to it to make it look like it was on a, the surface of a planet. Um, had like neon cardboard cutouts, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a very unique cabinet that I don't think they ever made anything else like it. But the reason I, the reason I picked this as number one, yeah, is because I know there's Pac-Man Fever, and I know that that was like a monumental game. But I'm surprised. G- going back to like how I'm surprised that Asteroids wasn't higher than it was. When Pong hit, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. When Space Invaders hit, it was bananas. Like yeah. people loved this game, and it was so novel and new at the time. Like they couldn't crank these out fast enough. Mm-hmm. So, um, and since it was one of the first, I thought it would be um, much higher. Well, not much higher, but I thought it'd be the number one. It's like it, even though it doesn't have quite as much like cultural cachet as Pac-Man, it. It's one of those games where people know Space Invaders. You could be like a grandma and have heard of Space Invaders. Yes. Yeah, and you know, the um you know uh it's it, we have someone saying that they have that one, the reflective background is great. I, I I don't remember where it was, but I heard like when they were talking about coming up with that idea, they were at um they were some it was they were outside the office like eating or something like that, and somebody noticed something in a reflection. Um, and this is some story that I had heard, but in actuality, it was probably just because of like the older style, like shooting games and stuff. And a lot of those older style arcade games that used physical products, uh, were all done that way, but, uh, they had noticed the way the a reflection looked in something. And so they, they thought it'd be a cool idea to put it in the game, uh, like that as well. Oh, it's so. awesome. And like that effect works really, really well. I've got another game called warlords in my basement that has that effect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's innovative because it's it's primitive, mm-hmm. um, but they were able to use such a primitive thing to enhance the the technology of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like these things were state of the art, you know, video arcade cabinets were state of the art, but compared to now, it seems really really primitive. But they were able to take something that they had limitations with and expand on that with some real world like physical decorations and stuff to enhance the playability. Yeah. Um, and and I, I love that creative, uh, yeah. creative genius. Yeah, and the you know it, it is so iconic, like the way that the um, the invaders look, and then I love the artwork on the side of the cabinet. So, uh, so Space Invaders, three hundred and sixty thousand cabinets sold. The revenue oh by nineteen eighty two. So we're we're doing another eight nineteen eighty two for some reason. The revenue by nineteen eighty two though was two point seven billion dollars, just wow. in like three years, right? Or four years. So, uh, adjusted for inflation, that's $6.85 billion for space invaders, which leaves, um, just one game for the number one, Preston. All right. I'm going to go street fighter two. <laughs> you wish <laughs> it is Pac-Man. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this game, huge hit. Uh, there are tons of games, you know, if you think, and we were talking earlier about how iconic Donkey Kong and Mario and stuff is. You know, they didn't have as many arcade, different arcade games as Pac-Man did, uh, because um, there were just 
so many spinoffs. You had the cartoon shows. Um, I had, I had, like I said, all the Pac-Man sheets and everything when I was a kid. Um, I had color form, Pac-Man color forms. Uh, Pac-Man, man, such a huge game. Yeah, it really was Pac-Man fever back then. And even though Brian was listening to all that stuff, uh, all the different iterations of Pac-Man and all the merchandising and stuff, like it got number one as far as the best-selling arcade game just for this one title, the original release. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it sold... Um, how many did it sell, Brian? I, I want to say 400,000 units. It was 400,000 units. So the revenue by 1985 was $3.5 billion. So adjusted for inflation, that's $7.96 billion. So it, That's cool. I, I, like, I, I remember hearing stories about this game. Like um, People kept thinking, like operators kept thinking that they were breaking because um, like the coin mechs and stuff like that weren't accepting money and and what what happened is people were just playing this game so much that they would instantly fill it up with with quarters uh so like if you had a pac-man back that's then, a lot of quarters too because yes. i have come across arcade games that still had a lot of quarters in their buckets in those midway mm-hmm. cabinets my very first galaga that i bought had a ton of coins still in there and it totaled up to be over four hundred dollars and that wasn't even full yeah. And that's in quarters. Mm-hmm. So that's a ton of quarters to make a game break like that. Yeah. And they were just earning. I just, I, I can't even imagine having like the feel of owning this game. And it's like, I'm sure that there's plenty of places that just had like three of them side by side and just constantly having to, to, to take the quarters out because they're just oh, yeah. jam packed. Well, and it's crazy too. Um, unless you're, a, a, you know, a, a an enthusiast like we are, you you may not know if you're just a casual fan of Pac-Man, then when you're playing, you're like, oh, I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. And you're like, oh, wow, I'm 15 levels in. I'm doing really good. There are 256 levels on this thing mm-hmm. before it just breaks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it would eat quarters and eat quarters and eat quarters because the game essentially seemed like it never ended. Yeah. So. So, so what I'm doing right now is a trick. So let's say you're awesome at Pac-Man. You can just park Pac-Man right... Oh, never mind. It's not there. <laughs> There's a spot. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> There's a spot. I thought it was right there. I could have sworn that was it. Oh, you know what? This is a this is the 30th anniversary of Pac-Man. Uh, like the, it's a different ROM. So I wonder if that if they changed it. I could have sworn that that was a spot. It was either excuses, there or there. Excuses, excuses. Hey, you can, you can, you can pack... You can park Pac-Man in one of those two spots, and the ghost won't attack him. Um, so and, yeah, I've seen this done uh, by an expert in person. Uh huh. So <laughs> it was perfect timing too, because I had been sitting there for a while. <laughs> but that's great. Yeah. The um, is this I will your say, favorite version of Pac-Man? No, it's got to be Miss Pac-Man because, yeah. and and when I say Miss Pac-Man, I'm speaking specifically about Miss Pac-Man with the speed chip. Mm-hmm. Regular Pac-Man. Hey, all props for where it deserves its place in history, but it's just not as much fun as Miss Pac-Man fast. I yeah. like to I like to move it. Yeah, uh, you know, and a lot of okay, a lot of arcade games. You know, the second iteration was uh, typically um, something like that, where it would be a faster version of the game or something like that. Um, kind of like record albums, right? When yeah. when groups come out, it's the second album that's the one that really sticks. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess it's in Miss Pac-Man. So the cutscenes in the Pac games 
uh, or one of my favorite things about them when I was a kid. And um, the, I think it's a Miss Pac-Man because uh, it's when they meet or whatever. There's there's one of the cutscenes where uh, one of the ghosts gets caught on a nail and it rips and you see a human leg sticking out of it. So the ghosts are actually humans under cloths. What do you think about that, Preston? <laughs> That's some nightmare fuel right there, man. I don't know that I can handle dealing with that. Yeah. Well, those are the top 10 selling arcade games in order from 10 to 1. So um, next time someone asks, you know that Out, Outrun came out uh, for number 10. Yeah, I Street do. Fighter, Street Fighter's number three. So now you know, Preston. Street Fighter's I'm number gonna three. I'm going to have to go look up some 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 numbers. I I, I have some arguments with these facts. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, it was fun regardless. And it just makes me itching to want to go out and go to visit a, a local arcade bar and play in person. And that's part of why, like at the top of the show, I mentioned one of the reasons we're talking about arcade games because, you know, even though different um, localities and municipalities are opening back up, mm-hmm. um, businesses, um, one of the last things that will ever be opened up are um, in-person arcades. And, um, you know, it's it's a slice of life that you really appreciate when it's gone. And I'm glad that it wasn't gone forever, um, you know, that it has been experiencing a resurgence. But now when you're... Um, limited and prohibited from going it really makes you pine for the good old days so um here's to those arcade owners and operators that are still hoofing it out uh i hope they get back on their feet soon and are anxious to accept quarters yeah i know one of the ones uh up up, uh in in our area portal pinball they're opening up soon so uh hey you can get out there support your local ones that are opening because um you know it, it takes a lot of especially right now, a lot of effort in order to like keep the games clean and uh, keep that safe for everybody. So uh, if there's a way for you to support, you can't maybe let's say you can't get to an arcade, uh, your local one, you know, try to find another way to support them. So, Hey, speaking of support, um, we always appreciate your support and thank you for listening to the show. Uh, For those of you who are still sticking around in the Twitch, which like we mentioned before is our very first uh, inaugural Twitch live stream. Um, Hit me up. Um, you can email us or hit me up on social. I'd love to give you guys, each who are watching right now with us, a free sticker. I'd be happy to mail that to you. And those of you who are listening um, or watching us on YouTube um, after the live stream, um, I want to extend that offer. If you go and review us on iTunes, um, shoot us a message that you did so. Uh, give us a little screenshot, and I'll be happy to send you a sticker. Um, thank you guys for, for following us on this podcast journey. Um, it's been fun. Um, my name is Preston Burt. You can find me at Squared Stiff on Twitter and Instagram. Ryan, where can find you? You can find me at B E Grantham on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can shoot the show an email at waybackattackshow at gmail.com if you have um, any questions or anything, or just want to shoot us some info. Maybe like uh, you, maybe your favorite game was on this list, and you want to tell us a story about that. We love reading the emails that people send us. Um, so the uh want to make sure that you have that email address so um and like preston said uh you know we appreciate it whenever you leave us uh feedback um and that kind of thing to so that we know what you guys like and uh you know we've gotten a pretty good bit of show ideas uh for upcoming shows and so we'd like it if uh 
if uh, if you have any thoughts or anything that you want, um, just make sure you reach out to us and let us know. Uh, yeah, um, we've got like Brian said, we got some plenty of good ideas for future shows. If you want to find us in the future, uh, we're going to be streaming on Twitch Tuesday nights and then releasing the show for way back Wednesdays on YouTube and on Podcast RSS. We're here weekly, and we'll see you next time.